Good morning, buenos dias, good afternoon, and good evening. This is Jules, host and creator of Our Story, Our Voice. If you are a first-time listener, welcome, bienvenidos. If you are a returning listener, sending you hugs and kisses. Here we are, another week and another podcast. How are, how are we all doing? How are my Angelinos or Californians handling this wonderful weather? <laughs> um, my sister would say, Julia, you're being facetious. Maybe I am. The problem is not the weather in Southern California. The problem is that folks cannot handle, the state of California cannot handle the weather in Southern California. You know, I often say, I pay so much rent because I'm really paying for the sun. And I really believe that. I think I pay so much rent because I'm paying for great weather. I live around the corner from the beach. And when that is interrupted by Mother Nature, um, yeah, things go all haywire. But I love it. I'm not going to lie. I have been feeling a little bit cabin fever the last couple of days. But it's okay. I, I will not complain because I am truly I'm blessed and I'm lucky that... I have a place to stay. You know, if I get cold, I turn on the heater. If I get hot, I I open the door. So as much as I hear people complaining about the weather, y'all should be grateful. And if and if your roof or your home is not fit to handle this weather, maybe it's time to get some of those things fixed. Why wait for the next big storm, right? Or the, or the next big natural disaster. So anyhow, you know, one of the things that I love <laughs> about Californians living in this kind of crazy weather, because for us it's crazy, is that you see people... Um, paddle boarding amongst um, neighborhoods, um, you know, just going out swimming versus going to the beach. It's like, it, it's just crazy. And we often get made fun of. And as much as I try to say, no, we don't do that. Okay. We do do crazy things. They were showing a few things on the news and I'm like, oh my goodness, why give the rest of the world fuel to put us in this crazy stereotype. So anyhow, um, for today's episode, I, I wanted to talk about um, cutting bad energy, cutting bad vibes, how to leave the past in the past and give and make, to give and make space for new energy for possibly new experiences without 
the old baggage. As you all know, I'm I'm in the I'm in the journey of living a wonderful, happy lifestyle. And um, it's no mistake that the intro to the, my music is, you know, um, time to be awesome because that's exactly what I am aiming for. So to say all of that, I wanted to talk about something that I had experience with a coworker of mine. She is a very spiritual individual. Um, she believes in energy. She's... Um, She's very, um, what's the word? <laughs> my, my brother was like, she's very crazy. I'm like, no, she's not. But she's very in one with, with positive energy, with spirituality, um, you know, very mother nature type of thing. And um, she she was talking to me and she was saying, I want to, I want to give a workshop that's in regards to, um, to cord cutting. And I said, cord cutting. I'm like, what is that? And she said, oh, you know, like how you cut cords with bad energy and bad things that no longer serve you. And I was like, well, that's very, um, you know, this is me saying this. I'm like, that sounds very, a little bit out there and we work with um with community residents with the community who don't want to hear something that's really um fantasy and something that's not really going to help them you know because we're we're um we're working with communities who are truly financially struggling who cannot see beyond their financial struggles, who have real problems. And we're going to bring in something as, you know, as fancy as make-believe as cord cutting. Like, I don't see that aligning with the mission and the work that we do here at my organ at the organization. And she said that this is exactly what we need in the workshop because people are walking around with emotional baggage that doesn't serve them. And if we give them the opportunity to release and let go of that emotional baggage, even if it's something that they're able to vision or, you know, talk about, we're leading them into the right direction because how can you possibly be good with your money when you are carrying so much emotional baggage and when I heard that because you know I'm a big believer of positive energy although it didn't sound like I was being so positive when she brought up this idea I I looked at her and I said you're right you're right that is often what we hear our folks within our community say that, you know, there's so much in the past that it's really hard to let go. And they feel that um, because of those emotional holdage, hostage, and these, these cords that are connected to so much stuff from the past, 
that it's hard for them to live in the now and to plan for the future. And so um, she, she did the workshop. Granted, people are not always ready for something so um, new age and progressive, but it's only new age and progressive because we don't talk about it enough within ourselves and within our communities. There's a lot of taboos within um, communities of um, color. Um, we had about like four people who came to the workshop when 30 signed up, but that's fine to me. I always say that if one person shows up to your workshop, you're a success. So to me, that was a successful workshop. As I was sitting through her workshop, I was trying to learn and understand, you know, I was, I'm building the, um, I was collecting the research and the data so I could go back home and finalize everything, everything that she was talking about. And I went home and I, and I searched cord cutting and this is what it said in the internet about cord cutting. It said the cords are said to represent the emotional ties that bond, bind us to others and can be positive or negative. Cord cutting is a way of releasing negative energy and emotional attachments to whatever may be holding you back. This can be done through visualization, meditation, or other energy healing practices. During the time that I was going to therapy, my therapist would often say, you bring up a lot of your past from when you were a little girl, when you lived in Milwaukee. And she said, you have to find a way to release that, um, that connection, because there's so much um, strong emotions that brings you a lot of anxiety, that causes you a lot of sadness. And you need to find a way to to be able to release that so you're able to live in the now and so you're able to plan for the future. And when I came across the cord cutting um, experiment, which I call that, or the workshop, the light turned on in my head and I was like, ah, maybe this is my opportunity to cord cut that emotional slash location baggage. And I'm not going to get into why um, that old place has caused me a lot of pain and emotions and, you know, not just me, but my family, um, some of my family members. But because I have sat through that workshop, I did a lot of the practices that my coworker did and she, she talked through each steps that I needed to do 
to finally release that baggage. And it was really just really simple. I, I came home that night and I, I cleansed my, my area with sage. I cleansed it to bring in good energy. I lit up a candle. Um, I played some really good meditation music and I sat down. I actually lay down and I thought about all the hurt that I had experienced when I was a little girl and just the emotions that I, that I had felt every time that I thought about, um, the place where I, um, lived when I was a little girl, which is Milwaukee. And I thought about all the conversations that I had about Milwaukee with my therapist and just random conversations that would always come up either with my significant other or with friends and every story that I would share about Milwaukee, there was always some pain connected. And so I visually, I, I visualized myself, um, you know, summarizing all these memories and, 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 and all the pain that I had. And I released it. I, I gave it a, a one last thought and I, I made a, um, I made a priority to say that although I couldn't change the past, I, I could acknowledge it that, you know, the emotions and the feelings were there and that I hated that place. And I was happy that our house that we used to live no longer existed and that I was appreciative of the moments that were truly happy because they were very far and few, but I, I gave it its highlight and as I was doing that, I, I visually saw myself cutting the emotional tide with that location. And I knew that once I did that, I was free for, I was going to be free from it. But even when you visualize yourself cutting away from, from that emotion, emotional attachment, there's still work that needs to be done. And like everything, right? Things just don't happen overnight. And that's why when people who are really in the struggle and we tell them to do little things that's going to help them, that's not going to have immediate results, it's easy for us to say that's not going to work because I, I want this to be fixed right here, right then. And I learned in that moment that for me to truly, truly release any emotional baggage by cord cutting, I needed to do the work for myself. I needed to truly, truly understand what forgiveness means and what forgiveness um, would do for myself, for my, for my spirit, for my energy, what, what that would look like. And I could tell you that not having the crutch of having this emotional baggage connected to this one place 
meant that I was going to have space to, to rebuild new, new experiences, to rebuild happy memories. And that scared me because I didn't know how to do that. And let me tell you, this has been, and this is not something that I just did yesterday. This has been stuff that I've been doing since, since like September. I've been putting in the work. I've been putting in the work. And emotional attachments are real. It's like trying to kick off sugar. It's like trying to kick off, you know, a really bad habit. You know, it's, it's that real. And that's why it's so easy for us to dismiss something that's so good for us. That's why it was so easy for me to say no right off the bat. But luckily, this new Julia, I could say no, but then I'm, but then my, my other side is always, well, hold on. I know you said no, but let's, but let's take a step back and, and really hear why we are saying no, what are we afraid of? And that's what I did. And so I was open to the idea, (laughs) granted only four people showed up to that workshop, but that workshop made a huge impact on my life. It made a huge impact on, on where I'm trying to get to, which is a place of, of happiness, a place of, of love and, 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 and giving. And I knew that by me not having this emotional baggage, and this is just one example, you know, I've done a lot of core cutting since then. And I'll, and I'll share that with you all if time allows, but sometimes we don't want to let go of these feelings of these past experiences because it's what fuels us. It's what fuels us to continue to live in a negative space. And especially if you're someone that has never experienced something positive, then it's really hard to want to cord cut something that's been sustaining you and hurting you because that's all we, because that's all we understand. It's very toxic. It's a very toxic, um, relationship if you think about it you know in an emotional relationship and i used that you know i used the the um the place of where i grew up when i was a, a little girl because for the first time i was able to process and really take a I, and i always say take a step back and i took a step back and i and I looked at all the conversations that I had through therapy. I, I looked at all the conversations that I've had throughout time about this place where I grew up. And I acknowledged it. I acknowledged my pain. I, I acknowledged the, the hate that I had sometimes for it. And I thanked it because I survived. I survived my environment. I'm a product of my environment, but I survived it. And I was scared and excited to know that 
I just gave myself a clean slate to start over and to start developing new memories. And so I did that with with the place that I was as a little girl. And then I moved the, I moved on to past relationships that had hurt me in the past emotionally. I'm always afraid to say that someone has hurt me because my brothers are always like, we're going to go kick some ass. <laughs> I love my brothers. I love them so much. Thank you, though. I appreciate that you want to go and hurt someone on my behalf. But that's life. Life is about experiences. Life is about experiencing heartache and breakups and first loves and yada, yada, yada. And I did that with with the relationship that I had with my first boyfriend. You know, he was the first dude that, that you know, asked me out. And he was the first dude that, that um, gave me a you know, gave me the opportunity to experience love, you know, dysfunctional love, but I, but I, but I was learned, but I learned how to love and, and, you know, and heartache and breakups and, you know, just so much, so much stuff with the first relationships, you know, if you're lucky enough, if you're lucky to have been one of the many people who've who's had a boyfriend and you're, and you're still with them. That's beautiful. But I didn't have that experience. You know, I was, I was so afraid to, to leave that relationship. And it was so toxic emotionally wise, you know, we were both not good for each other. And, and I always say that the culture in my culture being Mexican, you are told that your virtue is what makes you. It's what makes a woman. Your virtue, you know, being being a virgin is what makes a woman. And and if you're someone that believes that, that's fine. But I'm saying that sometimes unrealistic traditions like that, and depending on the person, could really psychologically um mess you up and so that's kind of like where I was at I was like oh my goodness you know here I was with this guy for so long he's supposed to be the one that I'm, I'm supposed to end up with because I can be a whore I can be a slut who says that you're a whore or a slut if you're gonna have more than one boyfriend hell no that means that you're a player and that you got your thing all together <laughs> I wish I was those things, you know, I wish I wasn't as afraid to love and to, and to experience all of that, you know, and I laugh now because I've done the work to be able to core cut that experience. And that's what I'm telling you. It's, it's a lot of work, but it's worth it because I was I was able to acknowledge the relationship. I was able to acknowledge the experience that I had with this person, with my first boyfriend. Um, I never say his name, but I'm going to say it now because he no longer serves anything in my life. His name was Luis. And um, this is the first time that I ever talked about him. <laughs> I talk so much shit about him in my, 
in my earlier podcast. <laughs> I was still hurting. I was still in pain, y'all. I'm just laughing because I, I tried, I kept this person anonymously, but uh, it doesn't matter anymore. We've both moved on. We both moved on and I needed to, to be able to cut that cord so I could be happy in the present and, and for whatever is expected of me for the future. And if you're someone that's carrying, you know, some type of emotional baggage, if it's relationship, if it's location, if it's an object, if it's your own identity that you're holding on to, that you feel that you can't, you know, express who you really are, you know, this is a good time to learn how to core cut and really do the work. And so with the, with, with the past relationship, what I did is I did the same thing. I, I meditated, I, I visualized um, this person and, and, and my time with this person and the things that I went through. I, I thought about all the hard stuff that I went through with this person, all the heartache, all the struggles, all the toxicity that I went through with that person. And then I ended with a sweet summary or a vision of all the happy times that I did have with this person, even, even though there were very few, but I, but I cherish, I cherish those happy moments to fuel my spirit and my emotion and my energy because I know that, you know, I have been holding on to this negative thing for such a long time because it's, it, it's this huge elephant in the room or elephant, you know, monster within my own um, energy that I needed to hold on to something on why it was important for me to remember the, the good feelings what what I wanted from that relationship and all all I wanted was to really have someone to love me and to care for me and there were really few moments of those and I appreciate that because the one thing that I've learned throughout all this time is that breakups hurt and heartaches are real and if you're willing to do it again, then that means that you're open to love again. And that's the one thing that I say. If I ever, you know, decide to move forward and, and have the open space to meet someone else, I know that I'm going to be ready to love because that's the one thing that I could do is love. And that excites me. That's what helps me stay in the present. And it definitely gives me so much joy and energy. And it gives me the vision of what and what it could be in the future. And so that's why my people, mi gente, do some core cutting. What are you holding on to? What emotional baggage do you have? You know, take the time to do the work and really sit down, write it out. If you have to journal it, journal all the pain that you have. And through that pain, 
find glimpse, glimpse of light and moments that you have learned from that experience. And let it be a positive thing because when you go through a hard thing and if you're learning, if you've learned something from that experience, that's a positive thing. That was a beautiful thing. That was meant to happen. There was no mistake. Don't be afraid to live, to move on, to let go of the past. Because I've held on for a very long time and I missed out in a lot of things for holding on to, to trash and tox, toxic energy that doesn't, doesn't serve me at all. It, it, it just does not serve me whatsoever. And I'm so grateful for my coworker for introducing me to this core cutting meditation situation because I have made space and room to be happy. And that is beautiful. And so I hope that this podcast, this episode brought you some clarity, some some opportunities to possibly, you know, make some of those changes that you want for 2024. Come on. Come on, folks. Join me. Let's make 2024 amazing, awesome, and let's be happy. Thank you all for joining. I love you. Thank you. And um, talk to you then. Bye. Good afternoon and good evening. This is Jules, host and creator of Our Story, Our Voice. If you're a first-time listener, welcome and enjoy. And if you're a returning listener, sending you hugs and kisses. How are you doing, mi gente? How are my Angelinos doing? We are in the midst of Super Bowl weekend. Um, I, (laughs) I don't know who's playing. All I know is that the 49ers made it. So for my 49ers fan, I hope you have a great Sunday and there's a lot of fun. And, um, for the other team, I don't even know who they are. I'm sure I could Google it, but I don't want to. (laughs) What I, what I love about Super Bowl Sunday, it's a few things. One, it's a great opportunity to just pig out and just eat a bunch of junk food that you would normally not want to eat because it's junk food. Second, it's a great reason to throw a party, right? Invite people that's going to come to your house, pig out, laugh, maybe get drunk, right? Or, and it's a great time to see the Super Bowl halftime. I loved 
last year's um, Super Bowl halftime, it was Rihanna. I think she did great. And I just learned that Usher is the it's the um, artist that will be playing the Super Bowl halftime. So I am thrilled. How do I know if that's true? I don't. I, I asked and they told me. So I'm assuming that's what it's going to be. Um, I am a fan of Usher. Not as much as I was when I was in my 30s, which is just crazy. Um, I really, really liked Usher a lot. I think because he was a transition from R&B. Um, you know, he, he was a a younger, um, later R&B artist because before him there was TLC, Jodacea, like all these different artists, and he was at the midst of that tail, of that tail end. So he's like right at the end of when R&B was really good, and he still had that style, but enough to transition into the, into the two thousand. So. I really like Usher, but you know, with time, things change and, um, there's always this, this thing that I remember when I was in my twenties, I, you know, I'm from the nineties. So y'all who are from the nineties, you know, that they, we had the best music. I mean, there was just so much new music and, um, I wasn't really, I wasn't big on on rap, I could hear it, but I wouldn't be bumping to it. But R and B music, like I just loved R and B music. Um, and so when I would, when I would hear, or whenever I would see older people, so if I was twenty, and someone who was in their forties, they will be bumping to like music from the 80s. And I'm like, that is so old. It's nice. I, I enjoy it. I'm being exposed to it. But that's such old music. And it's it's just so bizarre that here I am now, 47, not too far away from 50. And I hear the music of today, and there's some really great artists, and I hear a lot of music from the past being borrowed, and I like it, but I wouldn't play new music in my, in my music track as, as much as I would want to play my music. So, y'all... I'm that older person from when I was young and it's just, you know, that's just, I, I, I am really enjoying, um, the aging process. Granted, granted, I don't like, um, the, you know, the changes of your face, but I think genetically wise, I thank my parents that they gave their children some really good genes. And so I, I feel that I'm I'm aging slowly because I always thought that I looked older when I was younger because I was tall and I had really unruling curly hair. I still do. I don't know what to do with my hair, y'all. <laughs> 
thank God for new products. But anyhow, um, yeah, I'm just really enjoying this, this phase of my life. And, you know, you really don't know what you're doing in your 20s. Because think about it. You were just living at home, right? And then you you become 18 and all of a sudden you're an adult. You're able to vote. You know, you're you're able to get a driver's license at 16, but you're still not old enough to make decisions. And then when you're 25, you think you have it all figured out. Something about being 25 that I saw a lot of my friends feel that they needed to get married, and they did. Um, and and to have children. And I never had that urgency. I never had the urgency to like, you know, get married at 25. I think there was this one guy when I was like 20. He was a little bit older than I was. He was nice. And um, I believe he was like 25 or something. So he was five years older than me. And he really liked me a lot. And I could just tell that, you know, because he had asked me out one time. And I had um, I had said, well, he thought he had asked me out. And somewhere in that conversation, I guess, I had agreed to the date. And he did the mistake of talking to my sister. And... My sister was like, so let me, let me go back. This is a great story. You know, this is just an amazing story. I I think it's funny. So, um, around, I believe I was like 21 and it was around the time where my sister was living with her in-laws and my sister had friction with her mother-in-law. Something had happened. And my sister was really upset and she's like, I don't want her to take care of my, my kids. And so I'm going to bring my sister to, to take care of my, my, my two babies because my nieces were really small. I think, I think the oldest was like three years old or four or even younger. And the baby baby, um, she wasn't even, I think she was a year. So they were really small. And at the time I was working at Burger King and I love that. I loved Burger King and my sister um, made me quit the job. You know, she's like, I really need you. I really need you to come and babysit because there's just a lot of things going on there. And I'll figure, I'll figure childcare once you go back to school. So this is the whole summer. So I said, you know, this is a great opportunity for me to one, be away from my actual home. And second, I could go and babysit and go out with my friends and not have to worry about curfew. So I had a hidden agenda too. So I go and um, my sister had told me, you know, there's um, the, only, the only people that are living at the house currently, it's obviously me and my family and um, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, and there's a, um, there's my husband's cousin and so she's like he's really nice he, he just came here from from tj and um but other than that you know i want you to be the one to feed my my daughters 
I don't want my mother-in-law to ever think that she did anything for me. So much drama. That's that's an episode within itself. For anyone who's married and, and who has a difficult mother-in-law, I'm sure you are nodding your head right now. And if you're not, just wait until you get married. So anyhow, I'm there taking care of my nieces day in and day out, Monday through Fridays. And I meet my brother-in-law's cousin and, you know, he came over and he was just, you know, he was saying hi and he said hi to the, to my nieces. And that's how it was. He'll come in, he'll come, he'll, he'll come home from work. He'll sit down with me. He'll talk to me. And I was just watching TV. Long story short, um, I believe like a month had gone by and um, I was really naive back then. I was very naive to know that um, guys are, you know, guys were interested which was always a problem. And it was very frustrating for the guys who did like me because they're trying everything in their power to give me the hint that, hey, I like you. And so in this one particular conversation with this person, he was asking me, do you like this type of music, which is Spanish rock? And I said, yeah, I I like Spanish rock. I, you know, that was during the time that I was trying to um, experience different music, but in reality, I prefer R&B. But I figured if I get into Spanish rock, maybe I'll meet a cute guy, right? So anyhow, he, this conversation led to so much drama. So he said, oh, that's great. I know this place where they have great food and they also do cover bands for artists who are, you know, rock and español. Would that be something that you'd be interested in to experience one day? And I'm like, oh yeah, that'd be great. And he's like, yeah, you know, they it's a it's a restaurant slash um, nightclub, and. I think you will really like it. And um, granted, it's not the artist, but they do really great cover bands. And I've gone a few times, but it's always good to go with someone. And I'm like, yeah, that will be fun. But I was thinking it'll be great for me to go there with my friends because, you know, I was only 20 or 21. And um, he's like, okay. So then I, I also ended up I, I was not only taking care of my nieces, but then I ended up getting a part-time job in the evening. So I ended up going to work and I get a phone call from my sister, frantic and I'm thinking, oh my God, what happened? What did my, what did my sister's mother-in-law do now? I'm like, I can't, I can't be a 24 hour babysitter. I mean, I love my nieces, but I can't like my sister's taking advantage at the fact that in our culture, we really take care of kids. I don't want to do that. And so she calls me and she's like, Julia, it's me, your sister. And I was like, I know. What do you want, crazy? <laughs> and she's like, did you say you were going to go out with so-and-so on a date? Do you have a date with so-and-so? And I was like, what? I'm like, what are you talking about? And then she's, she's like, I knew it. I knew it. So you need to pay attention. You need to stop being in la-la land. Did you know that so-and-so had asked you out and you said yes? 
And I remember I was like, I don't even know what she's talking about. I had no idea. I remember having a conversation with the person, but I had no idea that the conversation was really like, hey, will you go out with me? Because he never really said that. It was, it was just it was just in our talks that he would normally have with me in the afternoon when he would get off from work and I would be there with my nieces waiting, you know, waiting for my sister to get home so I could go to work. And she's like, yeah, he's like all happy. He went to go buy, he went to go buy a new outfit. Um, he's, you know, going to go buy you flowers. He's saying that he's going to you know, um, wine and dine you um, tomorrow because the date's tomorrow on, on Friday. And he, he's really happy because, you know, he thinks that you're such a nice person and so pretty and blah, blah, blah. So, so you need to pay attention to when people are talking to you. Next thing you know, you're going to be, you're going to be engaged to the guy. You're not even going to know it. So, because I told him that you have no idea. And he said, no, no, she, she agrees. She, she agreed to the date. And I told him, no, you were talking to her. She took it as a conversation. My sister's not going to be rude. Obviously it's rude because I wasn't paying attention, but she's like, you know, you were just talking to her. You never, did you actually ask her out? And he said, well, yeah, I was telling her about the restaurant and the band and that, that it's, that it's, she should check it out, that I would like for her to check it out. And my sister said, you didn't ask her out. And, and he was like, I did, I did ask her out. And, and so the debate was, did he or didn't he? And so she said, I know my sister, which is sad to say, but back then I was like, duh, like I, I just didn't get it. And she's like, I know my sister. It was all in conversation. She was, she's not rude. She was being polite. And you told her about this band and she's probably thinking this will be something that I would love to do with my friends, <laughs> my sister, right? She, she nailed it. It was exactly that. Cause that's what I thought. And I felt so bad and I was so embarrassed and I felt so dumb. And she's like, like he thinks you guys he thinks you both have a date and you know we're over here talking in front of my my mother-in-law and 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 my father-in-law and I was like why are you guys and then that's where I got really panicked I'm like why would he why would you both be talking about that in front of in front of your in-laws and she said well no I walked in and he was telling his aunt, which is her mother-in-law, that he has a date with you. And <laughs> oh my goodness, this is how crazy. So this is how crazy the story is. So my sister walks in with, you know, walks in with the babies and um, she's like, what are you, what are you all talking? Because as soon as she walked in, her mother-in-law goes, you know, she, she calls my sister's name. She's like, come here, come here. You need to listen to this. Because I told him, I told him that whatever, I told him that if he thinks he has a date with your sister, that's not going to happen because she, you, you have really strict parents and they don't let her do anything, which was true at the time. Why didn't let me do anything? I don't know. It was just ridiculous. Like, let me date, you know. 
And um, and so the, the mother-in-law was telling her nephew, like, I that that date's not gonna happen. She goes, I don't think, I don't think she knows. I don't think she knows that she has a date with you because she's very like, she's very this is what the mother-in-law said. She's very obedient to her parents. Which it wasn't that I was obedient. It's just I, I didn't know. And then he was like, no, no, no. You know, I asked her out and, and she's really excited and we're going to have a great time. And, you know, she's a great girl. I don't know what's going to happen. And and the mother-in-law's like, you think you're going to, you, you think you, you two are going to become an item? And my sister was kind of like, whoa, what is happening here? And, you know, my sister was just kind of like listening at that point. And then she jumped in and she's like, no, you are not going to be dating my sister. You will not date my sister. That is not going to happen. No, no, no. And my sister got really like upset. She was more annoyed with me because she's like, you don't pay attention. You need to learn. I need you to pay attention to, to things that are happening around you, which she would often get really worried about. Because being that naive could get you into some really, like, really messy shit. And when she called me, she was telling me all of this. And I was, like, in panic mode. I'm like, I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, I remember the conversation, but I didn't think that that conversation was about going on a, on a date. And my sister's like, why are you told him? I'm like, I... I felt so bad because, you know, the guy went and bought a suit. He, like, he was saving his money to take me out to this place. He wasn't, he wasn't bad looking. But I felt, like, uncomfortable because I knew that he was part of that family. And I'm thinking, I do not want to be part of that family. <laughs> no offense, but I was like, no, no, no. And... You know, that's why I say that, you know, when you're in your 20s, obviously, many people are not as absent mind or, you know, like how I was, but you still don't know, you know, what's going on or you think that you're, that you're an adult making good decisions. I'm not saying that my friends who got married at 25 was a dumb decision. No, because some of them are still married, you know, as of today. And that's great. You know, they have their children and I see them now, you know, with their adult children and it's beautiful. But that was just something that was never in my radar because I had a different idea about marriage. I had a different image of what marriage was. And to me, marriage was, to me, marriage was um, something that wasn't um wasn't about love i i felt that marriage was um torture i felt that marriage was mean because of what i have seen because because of what i would see in my family you know i i felt that marriage and eventually would equal to kids and because you know, my mom had so many kids and there were so many problems with the guys in the family that I was afraid that that was going to be my, my destiny. So I, it's funny how when you really completely 
remove yourself from something and how it doesn't really manifest. So because in my 20s, I stayed away from the thought of marriage, the thought of ever starting a family. Because of the high risk, I felt that those two things were about. And it just never happened for me. Here I am now at 47, not married. And I'm okay with that, you know. But I, I think now and I'm like, how beautiful it is to find someone and to share my life with at this age where we both have made our lives and we both make decisions and we're both adults and we both have our own personalities now based on the, on the whole marriage thing. You know, coming together, not as one, but as two people that are fully complete and that have experienced life, that's beautiful to me. You know, and for my friends who are married and who are making it work, that's also beautiful too, you know? And so it's just really interesting how when you, when, when you have experienced something that wasn't, that was not necessarily um, ideal and it felt toxic and it felt um, hurtful, because I have seen my parents' marriage and I have seen how my dad is with my mom. And then I see how my mom is because of how my dad is towards her. I, at a very young age, I think I was like six years old when I decided that's not going to be me. I'm not, I don't want that. You know, and then I would see, because, you know, I'm the youngest of nine. I would see my siblings and I'm like, oh, I'm like, I do not want that neither. I don't want any children. And so I never talked about, you know, getting married, white picket fence, children. And I think that because I was so focused on not having those things that my energy never gave that vibe out to anyone, for anyone to also want those things with me too. It's just really interesting, you know. I'm not sad about it. I'm not boohooing about it. I just think it's just, you know, the power of of a person's, um, you know, needs and wants, and how the universe responds to that. It it's really it's it's pretty remarkable if you think about it. And so, to finish off the story about the guy who asked me out and I had no clue. Um, he felt really, he was really embarrassed. He, he felt that my sister and his aunt interfered in, and they pretty much blocked the pathway of us going out. I think that I ended up saying no at the end, although I didn't know about the date. I ended up saying no because my sister and the aunt were like, really going in on him really hard. The aunt was saying, they're never going to let her go out with you. They're never going to approve. And my sister was like, you are not the person for my sister. So no. So, so these two people had, had spoken for me. And so I have said, no, I didn't go out with the person. Who knows what would have happened? You know, would I have been married to him? I don't think so, but it would have been nice. I missed out on a good cocktail shrimp and, to listen to really good music. Um, two years later, he invited me to his wedding. So I went to the wedding 
and um you know he had a cover band of you know spanish rock it was really nice to see that but you know um the message for today is that we are learning throughout throughout the aging process when you're in your 20s when you're in your 20s you're trying to figure out who you are when you're in your 30s you're like oh shit this is who i am when you're in your 40s you're just trying to adjust and adapt to what you're going to truly be and possibly make room for changes for the better and that's where i am right now and so don't ever let anyone speak for you you are your person make your own decisions you know when you seek for advice advice you're not seeking for someone to decide for you you're seeking for clarity you know and and all of that comes with age and this is auntie julia julia coming out now you know this is what this is what aging does you end up giving advice to the younger generation so to my younger folks out there don't be afraid to make your own decisions don't be afraid to speak up but if you're not just know that that is you know you are going through the aging process but it's never too early if you're in your 20s or 30s to stand your own ground and speak up for you because sometimes decisions are being made for you and if you're not speaking up you're never going to know what could be of something and so i leave you all with that thank you so much for tuning in i hope you all have had a good time um, at the super bowl eat enjoy and have fun and um until then we will we will talk soon bye I was chasing away.